This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. Hi everybody, this is Mahan and you might know me from uh, a show called Paris by Night. Um, I used to be uh, one of the singers for a pretty long time. Um, I had to retire in 2010 due to um, my health condition. Uh, I got uh, diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2009. And um, yeah, so um, and ever since I'm happily married and I'm working together right now. I'm working with my husband as a creative director and stylist uh, in our photography business. And yeah, that's about it. And I'm excited to be here to talk to you guys. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all of Thank you so much. What a beautiful introduction. Um, it's been been such a long time. I think the last time we, we both saw each other was in, I think, 99? Well, 99, I just want to move to, move to from, from uh, Vienna to L.A. So I might probably 2000, 2000, around 2000, 2000 2000, perhaps in 2000. Yeah. yeah. So it's been about, oh, almost 25 years now. And we ran into to each other at a birthday party just recently. And it was so lovely to see you uh, and, and to meet your it was. I was so shocked. I was so shocked to see you. It was so funny. Yeah, it was such a long time ago. All right. Well, why don't we start by um, talking about your childhood? Because I think growing up in, in Vienna is such a big deal that um, most Vietnamese people don't really get to hear and talk about. Tell me what that was like for you growing up there. Oh, gosh. You know, every time I think and speak about Austria, um, I get really emotional because I, uh, it's 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 where I come from. That's who I am I, until this very day. Even though I've been living in the U.S. for so long, it it really shaped me for the person I am today. I mean, um, I left Vietnam in '75 and we came with my family. I have two brothers and one sister. With my parents, and we came to Austria. We um we actually fled by boat and we were um. We were uh, we were picked up by a big ship uh, from Denmark called Johnson uh, Atingson, and and we were um, we were uh, at the refugee camp refugee camp in 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 Hong Kong, and um, at the time in 1975, everybody wanted to go to the U.S. Everybody wanted to immigrate to the U.S. and uh, of course my parents as well, and um, um, so when they were asked in an interview whether they had any uh, relations to the uh, with the U.S. Had any uh, relatives in the U.S.? My parents said no. They were being really honest. The truth is, a lot of people lied at that time, but and they went came through. But we, my parents, were just honest about it and said, no, we didn't know anybody. We don't have any relations to the U.S. So they wouldn't let us go. They they um they let all the other people go first. And so we were we were at the camp, uh, camp for quite a while, um, a couple months. And my parents were so scared that um, they would send us back. Of course, they would, we wouldn't have done this, but we were so afraid that seeing this family being so 
being uh, being stuck on, the, on, the, on this in this uh, this camp for so long that they would send it back. So they basically chose a country that would take us right away without any questions, uh, not a lot of questions. At least that's what that was Austria. So my parents didn't know much about Austria at the time. They 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 went to the movie theater and they went and watched and watched the movie Sissy, which is the uh, movie about the Austrian Empress. Uh, and uh, they thought, wow, it's such a beautiful country, and the, the, they portrayed it pretty nice, and it was beautiful. So they were saying, they would, they thought that if it's this beautiful, then the people must be super, very nice too. <laughs> so we, 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 that's why we ended up in Austria. And so my family and I, um, my siblings, were actually one of the first Vietnamese families in Austria. And um, so growing up there was. Um, was wasn't easy because my my we all of course didn't speak the language and there's this family with four kids and not knowing anything and my so in the beginning my, we were at the refugee camp another camp in 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 uh, in Vienna and my um my dad found a job in a, in a factory to produce co that produces coffee and my my, mo my mom was working in a factory as well so they were just normal workers so just just regular workers and and then later on. Um, this is what I, where I am so proud of my parents, and I'm so overwhelmed by this, is that um, I don't know how they were able to raise four children in this country by themselves, and providing us with the best. Because um, all four of us went to private school. We all went to private school, Catholic school. We were able to graduate. You know, um, my siblings with honors. I, I'm, I barely made it through high school, but uh, so. Why, why did why did they why did they all make it through with honors, and why did you barely make it through high school? She's the creative one. <laughs> oh, it, it, no. you're creative, but it wasn't because you were ditching school or partied or anything like that. No, no, no. I was just I was just a slow. I was a lazy student. I was I didn't want to study. Um, it's really weird. I um, I, uh, I I barely made it through. Well, I'm. It was math, math, and 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 other subjects that I wasn't good at. And my all my siblings are so good at what they're doing. You know, they're so me, and I was so jealous because they were all so smart and they graduated. And so, uh, but what I love about my parents is that they were never, um, you know, uh, they they never never hold, held a grudge. And, uh, they were always supportive of, of as kids, and they knew that I was interested in other things. Obviously, I was very into fashion. I was I wanted to go to fashion school. So my mom actually supported. She goes, if you want to go to fashion school, that's fine, but you need to you still need to finish uh, high school. And so uh, I, I I graduated from high school, but then so destiny kicked in. And so by the age of 19, 18, 19, I actually um, sang for Paris, but for the first time. And so uh, I was discovered in Paris in 1990. We're leaving out a whole chunk of information. Well, you uh, were interested in fashion, but also music at the yeah. time growing up, weren't, weren't you? Well, the thing is, the music part came from my dad because we uh, it's a real music-loving family. My dad is a, a very good singer. My my mom loves singing. She she was great, but she loves singing. And then because of so here comes the very 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 important part. Um, we my growing up in Austria, we didn't have a lot of friends, Vietnamese friends, and uh, not a lot of opportunities to speak Vietnamese. So 
slowly we my siblings and I we've kinda we forgot how to speak Vietnamese. And so my dad figured that the only way for the kids for us kids to learn Vietnamese is by teaching them, is by making them uh wanting to learn Vietnamese. Mm. You can't force anybody. You just have to make them want. And what's the best way? Through music. So uh, through music, you will be able to uh, learn and, and, and enjoy at the same time and have fun and entertain. So that was, that was it. Yeah. So he started this band. Yeah. How old were you? I was, I was, uh, when we started the band, I was 12, about 12 years old. Yeah. And you so he wanted that? I was not sorry. You were, you were not singing before twelve. I was just no. I was just it was just fun. It was never a, no 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 like no no appearances no performances nothing. It was just I was a kid. I was twelve. I was busy thinking about things like boys. So that was I was busy with that. So, <laughs> so and then and then when we my dad started his band because my my brother played the drums. He he picked up drums just because he liked playing drums. My, my second brother, my, my third brother, my second brother, he he was playing bass. My uncle played the guitar, and my sister was assigned to play the keyboard because she was taking piano lessons. But truthfully, she was not into this at all. Um, so that's how we started as a band, as family band. And then what? So what started out to be just like a for fun kind of thing, and um, uh, and at the time I wasn't singing either. I was just. I was just a groupie. I was just following the, the family around, the band around where, where, whenever we had any um, shows in Vienna or something like this, um, you know, Daniel Ho or something like this. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I just came along just to hang out until one day my uncle sang a song. It's called, uh, it's by Mike Oldfield, um, Moonlight Shadow, back in the 80s. And I, he didn't, he was singing, it was in rehearsal, he was singing the song and he didn't, he didn't know the lyrics. So I, I, I sang the song and I go, 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 uh, and then so he sang it. And then he goes, and then he looked at me, he goes, why don't you sing this song? And I go, okay, well, sure, okay. So that's how it started. I I started to sing uh, just for fun and just because I was just happened to be there. And then um, I sang more and more. And then I, in the beginning, I sang a lot of uh, Vietnamese songs because my dad was so you know, particular in terms of what we what we should sing, you know, to make us, you know, uh, for people to respect us because it's a very small community, you know, and um, we um, it's it was very important for us, you know, to you know to always keep uh, you know keep uh, faith and make sure that you know we are very respected. So yeah, so uh, nothing, nothing, nothing like wild, nothing wild came later on. So this was just very like uh, I sang a lot of Pham Zui song, you know, I sang Do uh, It Mung that's a uh, mom it's a uh, it's actually that's um so yeah so very beautiful Vietnamese songs yeah and they sang a lot of um uh, songs as well so that's how it started and then the band would as we were um performing all over uh, Austria all of a sudden there were all these uh, uh, vacation camp uh, in, 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 in Europe where thousands and thousands of uh, Vietnamese people from all over Europe would come together and, and, and um, celebrate you know just our culture and we, we heard about it in Austria you know, it's, it's very small so we heard about it so we packed our stuff 
we heard that there was also like it's going to be like so we picked up all our uh, instruments and just came along and traveled to uh, the Netherlands camp uh, traveled to Belgium Germany and started playing you know for people to listen to, to see us and and we, we actually made a name you know in, within Europe people actually talked about you know maniac Go back. <laughs> so, so wait, so. so when you go to all these places, are, are you scheduled already to sing and perform or is it just like you show yeah. up and you just perform? No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we told, so we told the organizers that we have a band. If they are interested, they will be, yeah, you just come bring, you know, just sing along. So we were not the only band at the time. So every time we traveled to all these places, there were several bands. There was a band from Belgium. There was a band from Holland. There's a band from Norway. We were the band from Austria. You know, it, it's... These kind of uh, activities, these camps, it's a job. It's um, they were so important to me. And at that time, especially when you when you're a teenager, you're you're you you're having this identity crisis at all times, you know, because you you know you're Asian. And but and especially in Austria, there were no Asians. There were no Vietnamese. Like there's nothing. And my sister and I, we, my sister and I were the only two Asian girls in the entire school. So, for example, so every everybody else was just Caucasian, and so when I f came to Holland to to this youth camp for the first time, um, actually it was Belgium was first, 1986. It's called Lang Vietnam. I met. There was the um, probably the awakening of my my everything for me came clear when I saw all these thousands thousands of Vietnamese kids in one camp. And uh, it was so much fun, but the saddest thing is, because we were all from all over Europe, we were all Vietnamese, but none of us spoke Vietnamese. Oh. So we had to communicate somehow. We had to communicate somehow. We all communicated in English, and that's so bizarre because it's like we were like, oh, it doesn't make any sense. We are all Vietnamese, but how can we speak English to each other? You know. So that was for me was just an eye-opening and, and, and life-changing experience when I realized that you know what. I am Vietnamese and I'm going to learn it because it's sad to see how all these kids, you know, communicate in English. And then even after, after when we went back, went back home and we kept in touch and writing letters to each other, it was always in English and it's, it's, yeah, it's universal language, but it's sad just, you know, because knowing that we are, we are who we are, you know? So, but yeah, but that, so that was definitely, um, a life-changing experience for me in many ways, uh, culture-wise. What is that uh, camp called? One, one was called um, the 1986 was Lam Vietnam, and and then the one in 1987 I was in Holland called Hung Vuong. And do they? Yeah, so yeah. To this day, with these camps, I honestly don't know because mm -hmm. after that I was I I never got I think they had more they had. These camps, but they were just smaller, just smaller. Yeah, they had like um one uh, several camps camps in Holland, but uh, there were only kids from the Netherlands, so it was not international like yeah. the one in nineteen eighty six. We were talking about me, 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 me. It's so crazy. It was insane. It's insane. This episode is brought to you by Red Boat Fish Sauce. I love cooking with Red Boat because it's made with only two ingredients: wild caught anchovies and sea salt. This premium fish sauce is made in Phu Quoc, Vietnam and bottled right here in California. You can find Red Boat at select Asian supermarkets like 99 Ranch, H Mart, and Tong Fak. Yeah, it's insane because I, I didn't know that this existed, you know, like these camps yeah. existed and, and, and they're for fun. They sound so fun to, to, to go to. It was. It was because I learned 
from all these camps, I learned so much. I learned all these songs, all, you know, these ki ki like children's songs, like uh, just like mắc cỡ gì mà không chịu lẽ dùng để dùng cái dùng cái đồ đùi. So it's all. Đây là mà xem có gì nó ngồi trong cốc nó đưa cái lưng ra ngoài đó là con cốc con cốc này. So all these things I learned from these camps. So I was very 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 yeah, happy at the time yeah so, wow. Wow. yeah, yeah and, and then and then in 90 in 87 when i sang at the one at the, at the last evening they had this big concert and um i um i was uh i was performing my song actually i was performing um the final countdown <laughs> <laughs> by europe <laughs> yeah it was it was insane it was just so insane for the first time in my life i stood in front of thousands and thousands of people i was 14 14 at the time and then I, i sort of felt these people and they're all jumping and dancing and singing and i was like i like this this is nice this is uh i can't get used to this <laughs> and then uh yeah next thing i knew we just we were we were continuing with our music and we sang more i sang more and more and um and then i um back to austria We, I also joined an Austrian band. So just because my brother was in the band, we all at the time, everybody wanted to be in the band. Everybody wanted to be a rock star. So my brother was in a band and then I, I, I joined them and I was the, the main singer of, of that Austrian rock band for a while as well. So yeah, so I was singing Vietnamese and English rock for the same, at the same time. And, but that, again, it was all just for fun. I never, I never thought of becoming a singer at all. It was just something that I truly enjoyed and, um, I just love, I love the feeling of being on stage. That's, that's how it all started. And so what happened with Curse Night is that was total coincidence because I, I, um, I was in Paris in 19, um, Paris in 1990, 1990, 90, 90, yeah. And um, I, uh, I was, at the time I was working for a Vietnamese fashion designer, uh, he's, He's, he's old school. He was he was he made all these oh yeah, and he um I was working for him because yeah one of his models, and um and uh one night he had a fashion show and he asked all the uh, the, the models uh, oh yeah fashion show if uh, anybody wanted to sing a song, and I said yeah I I, I like to sing so I sang a song that night in in Paris and um it was just a restaurant it was just a Vietnamese Chinese restaurant nothing big. Yeah. But uh, somebody was in the audience at night and saw me perform. That's what, that was Go Tinga, Go Miss wow. Madame Tinga herself. She was there, and she uh, she liked me. She um, she uh, told the uh, that she said, "I'm interested in the girl, the girl." So um, that's how we, we met, and then I performed on. Uh, so I, I was invited to perform on the next Thursday night, which was Thursday night 16, and I was uh, I was uh, 18 and 19 at the time. Um, yeah, so I, um, I, um, I, I joined Paris Benite in, 19, in 1992, yeah, and um, that's how I, and the rest is history, yeah, I started in 19, Paris Benite 16, 1992, yeah. So, so in 92, you were mm -hmm. just finishing high school, right? You yes. You were just done with high right, school, right, right. and uh, so yeah. you had to move to the United States, or were you just flying back? No. I was flying back on board. Yeah, so that was I. I didn't want to leave Austria. I didn't want to leave because I, I wasn't sure how I could make it in the U.S. You know, it was I lost a lot of time by doing that because I could have um, 
it's just because I was very young and I, I and there's no way I could have moved over there by myself. You know, I didn't want that. I didn't want to stay. In, I wanted to stay in Austria. I wanted to make sure that I was around my family. So I traveled back and forth a lot. But because of that, I couldn't pursue anything for real. I couldn't. I couldn't either go to school 100%, and I couldn't pursue my career as a singer 100%. Everything was just like half half because, um, you know, it was just I was yeah yeah back and forth a lot. And I missed so many things. Missed class. Missed uh important appointments in the, in the u.s so it was just not not you know it didn't so i think it did it for like good 92 until 90 99 that's how long it took me because i moved to the i moved to us in 99 like officially moved in 99 yeah that's how much time i lost a lot of years in seven years would, would, when you look back would you would you think back would you have changed things would you move back? Move I, would, I would have moved. I would have moved sooner. Yeah. Yeah, and it was yeah. just because you were missing your family and you didn't want the change that you didn't move sooner. Right. I just. I was just scared to move to the U.S. by myself. I was just because I know nobody could go with me. I didn't know. You know. I, we didn't have any. We didn't have any relatives in the U.S. Nobody. We had no relatives because my 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 dad at the time uh, my 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 mom's family. Uh, moved to Austria and my dad's family, you know, back, they were in back in Vietnam. So there was nobody for me in the, in the U.S. that I could have stayed or that I could have, you know, started my whole new life. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, and what, I was in the what made you decide in 1999? Why that year did you decide to move to the U.S.? I just felt like I needed to stay at one place where I could do both, obviously. It's, it's just, I thought... Enough is enough. Enough. You you are you're grown up. Grown up now. You 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 stand on your own feet and just do it. And so I I that's where I uh, applied for a student visa and I went to school at the same time too. I went to LAT Los Angeles Trade Technical College, LATTC and studied fashion design. Yeah. So that's what I did. I did fashion design and I sang at the same time. And it was the craziest time because I had to uh, you know I had to file all these these homework and this work in the that I had to physically make dresses that I should make, and while I'm still singing, I I, I was back, backstage. I was on the floor drawing and painting my next my collection for my for, for, for my next class while I'm in my in my costume. <laughs> so that was fun. Or I would have a show on Sunday, like maybe like in in, in Washington D.C. And I flew back on Monday morning back to L.A. and go straight to school from there. And it was just, it was a little bit crazy, yeah, but. Uh, it was all worth it. I enjoyed it, and I graduated as a fashion designer. Yeah. <laughs> now, when when you look back on the time at at Paris by Night, what are some of the most memorable things for you? What are some of like the most special memories that you've had? Oh boy, so too many, too many. I mean, I've learned a tons, like a tons of tons of things at Paris by Night, and next to Austria, Paris by Night is definitely. The, the one thing in my life that shaped me and made me who I am today, of, for sure. It's, it's, it's definitely Austria, my family, and Paris by Night. Um, it was hard in the beginning because, uh, first of all, I, my Vietnamese wasn't great. I didn't speak or uh, sang, you know, sang well, well because I, most of the time I didn't understand what I was singing. <laughs> it was, I was, it was, <laughs> that's a fun part. <laughs> and then my, I would sing, and then my producer asked me, "Do you know what you're singing?" I'm like, "Lana Roy." <laughs> you know, it's a very 
you know, explain to me, you know, Vietnamese is a very, um, how do you call it, a, a very, um, uh, you know, um, you, how do you call it? Like a meta metaphor, you mean metaphor? Not a metaphor. Metaphors, yes. Yeah. So you say you're singing about the leaf that's falling, but it actually means it actually means that the the broken up, you know, the couple broken up stuff yeah, like this, yeah. you know. So you have to understand what it means. So that I had no understanding, no whatsoever. I didn't know like okay, if you say this, it actually means th that. I didn't know all of that. I did. So uh, it was it was it was very um, it was very uh, it was very it was very challenging, but um. But I, I learned I learned so much about my culture and I learned so much about the language. I definitely learned how to speak Vietnamese um, more. And that's how I that's definitely singing taught me how to speak Vietnamese, you know, uh, mm -hmm. better. Um, um, but uh, so things I remember the most goodness of what events. Um, I guess. Okay, I sang for a very long time. Actually, I started so I started Christmas night in. Uh, 90, 92, 92, right? And um, it wasn't until 19, actually 2000, 2000, oh gosh, I don't remember. I think 2000, probably 2003 or 2004 that I was allowed to come up with my own ideas and suggestions for, for my performances. Before that, it was Jia uh, Tui, Marito, producer two, who was guiding me, who was my, 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 the teacher, my guide, um, she was the one who who just decided what for me what to sing, what to wear, you know, what to do, and stuff like this. And I I enjoyed it, but it was not completely hundred percent me until two thousand, I think two thousand three, two thousand four. I was allowed to um, make my own decisions, make my own suggestions and ideas, and so that's when I the career completely, uh, truly took off. Um, and I remember that by by singing this one song. Called Mut um, It's a Chinese. It's actually originally a Chinese song, but um, um, I uh, it was translated into Vietnamese, and I sang this song with the concept. The, the idea behind this song was I, I wanted to play this character of um, of a warrior. You know, uh, it's she's actually it's a girl, but she wants to be a warrior. It's almost like Mulan yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. But uh, she's she's she she's very strong and she's this strong personality and that's all the things that a, a boy the man does and it's just at one point in this one that in the song that i show some vulner vulnerability yeah and so that was the song that completely took off like like this that you was the wearing, song that people you're wearing a hat right with the it's like this yeah. it's a gray hat you're wearing yeah. a gray shaolin suit yeah yes 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 that's the one. That's the, the the one that people still talk and, and ask me about it until this very day. They 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 um I think it was just that I put my so much put my heart and my soul into this. I'm sorry. Do you see the light flickering? Yeah, it's, it's perfect. I get I can see it perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Flickering. Um. That uh, <clears throat> that I feel like um it was truly me and I and then I think from that moment on, Chitui no knew that understood that. Ding Jitui understood that I like the theatrical components in my performance. That whatever I do, whatever I perform on yeah, stage, yeah. there's always some. There's always a little bit of a theatrical drum, drum, like a drama kind of aspect yeah. because yeah. Um, component because I like to play different characters. And um, Paris by Night is not a regular music show. It's 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 a cultural. It's a mix of cultural and and, and entertainment and um, yeah. So. 
it's actually very educating. If the perspective was at the time, it is is very educating. I think more maybe maybe it was more educated back in the days when I was still there, and uh, it has always these um, songs where where there's a story, like a, a historical figure is you know playing the main part or something like this. So yeah, it was just very very theatrical. I I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So. And so, did you ever think about writing your own music after that? I'm not. I can't do it. I'm just. I'm not good at this. I I I I don't think that I've ever tried. But at the same time, um. You know what is really odd because <clears throat> at the time, I loved to write. Like I, I loved writing my blog. I was I was I had a blog before, and I was writing, and the people enjoyed my reading. But uh, I couldn't not. I couldn't sit down and actually write something more like a, something more poetic in terms of lyrics for a song. I couldn't do this. I was just more very very. It was very raw the way I wrote my blog about you know about things uh, how I see things you know and I think that's what people like people like the fact that it was pretty raw and you know it was straightforward and and no there was no hiding behind the bushes it was just I'm that's who I am taking your leave it uh, but I in terms of um poetic in putting words in in a manner that you can actually sing it and and make you know, understand uh, understand that it's 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 how you feel I, I couldn't do this I, I wasn't good at that Oh, so. interesting. Now, do yeah. you think that, um, you know, I, I I think about most of the singers and performers of Paris by Night were Vietnamese Americans. A lot of them grew up in mm -hmm. the United States. I mean, they might, must have been, you know, a little bit older when they got here. But uh, for the most part, mm -hmm. they're they're American, uh, Vietnam, they're Vietnamese, but with American, you know, upbringing. You are one of the few yeah. that came from Europe. <laughs> how do could you talk about a little bit how, about how different you were compared to the people that you were performing with? Oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, first of all, there was a language problem because right? I I didn't speak Vietnamese well, and I didn't obviously I was not it was not my first language. But uh, and and that sort of uh, how do you say? I mean, I don't want to say that it was it was. I had to prove myself a lot. That's that's the thing, you know. So I think that's why I was I was saying that you know the song with Dufamba um, took off. That's when my career took off because I it was completely hundred percent me. Whereas the other uh, the years before, I I I I I did what I was told to do, and um, it didn't feel right. And and so um, uh, my Vietnamese was just not was yeah. just not. Yeah, because I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't feel it. And I think the audience could feel it too. Hmm. So, um, and as working as far as, far as working with 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 my other commit colleagues, um, I had a hard time because I my mentality. Not only did I speak did I speak the other language, my mentality was I'm, I'm I was actually very shy at the time. I was very shy. I, I didn't, I, uh, especially coming from Europe, and, and and nobody knows where Europe. No, nobody knows anything about Austria. Right. <laughs> where, what is Austria? And then you used all of a sudden you're among all these big celebrities like Elvis Fung, Lina Chang Dai. It was very intimidating, very intimidating. So um, I, uh, um, I, I, so it was definitely very insecurity that uh, occupied me for the first few years. But then later on, when I understood again, where I found my 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 strength in terms of entertaining and performing, um, that's when I became more confident. And um, 
I was more outgoing. So I think in the beginning, the people thought probably that I was very stuck up because I didn't talk much. I really didn't talk much. Yeah. Backstage, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I just sat there and just, just did my, my, my own business. But because just simply because I didn't know how to communicate in, in Vietnamese, uh, it was, I was afraid people were going to make fun of me, so I didn't speak to them. Wow. Yeah, but, um, but later, then so it, it, I, it got better and I was able to communicate. That's when people actually uh, saw that I am actually a very outgoing person. And I was, of course, more confident in terms of the person who I am and my, my work. And so, yeah, so all these years until the very end, <clears throat> I was always, I would always think that I might not be the greatest singer. I might not be, you know, like vocally, I'm not, not as, as a certain uh, uh, celebrity, as certain uh, singers there are who are incredibly amazing and talented. But I still believe that there's something that I had that nobody had. Yeah. I was just, um, you know, I was, I was, um, I was, like I said, the, the theatrical component. That was something that I think was the one thing that my my fans loved. They loved the fact that they never knew what to expect, what Bahad's going to uh, offer, you know, is going to do in the next uh, Thursday night. I, just, I always switched, you know, I always switched uh, to um, to to different characters. I was I was playing a boy for many songs. It's the funny thing. I, I, remember, I remember one time I went to a, I'm Kelvin here, um, and uh, the the designer in in Orange County. I went to the store and there was a lady in this in the store and she she saw uh, she saw she saw me coming in and then she asked Anhip, "What is that, Bahan?" And he goes, "Yeah, that's Bahan." He goes, "She goes, oh my, what are you doing? I'm so jealous. What are you doing? Oh my, because because." I played so many male actors. I played male characters because well, I had no problem. Why do you think you picked uh, playing a lot of male characters? I didn't pick. I, it was uh, it was given to me, I, and I, I I took it because I, I was happy. Because I think because my features are are, are kind of like not soft. You know, I, I don't look typical Vietnamese. I, I know I'm not Vietnamese, uh, and. Um, uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think maybe my features is probably why. It's not. I'm not. I'm not feminine. Feminine. I think I'm just like a more perfectly square. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, and that and also yeah, and also because I I I I think it's also and I believe that they have they had faith in me. They believed that I could pull it off. You know. Uh, for example, like uh, Timo Linju, I played a uh, a role of a monk, but she was she was a woman, but she she lives a, a, a life as a monk uh, as a male and um want pe people to believe that she's a male and but there's this one uh, as, uh girl which is played by ivan who was played by ivan uh, timo her name is timo she is in love with this monk she doesn't know it's a it's a woman she thinks it's a man so she keeps on flirting with him but she keeps on like you know trying to seduce him but uh this monk keeps on running away so she just she gets herself some uh, I, I, I'm, I'm such a pretty girl how come he doesn't even pay attention to it it's like a sad and a funny story it was on Thursday night as well and yeah and then and yeah so yeah now that was me you know it's, it's so strange to think back in 1999 when um when you were so kind to sing on stage with me and I uh you know in, in our minds at the time when you know we we go through these experiences we have a completely different perspective of what the reality is for the other person yeah. that's living right because in my brain i was you know in in my and you know i was a student at the time and i kept thinking that you were professional you were you are you were a professional you were singing for many years already 
you were singing, but but to think about the um the choices that you did not have to pick your own music, to not uh be a part of that process, it boggles my mind because you know, I thought about the in 1999, thinking back how powerful you know, you were when you appeared on on stage, when you appeared on screen, the power that you had was, um, was you know, anything, it, it was nothing that I'd ever witnessed before in my, my life. But looking back now, you think about the progression of an artist and the way that we are given sort of agency to <laughs> navigate the, the life that we want is not really there in our early, early days. Um, yes, I mean, I think it's simply because she didn't know yet. She much she didn't know yet how how what potential I have. She, I think, she, it was more like a like a making sure that you know that it that I, I that I felt you know uh, I would say you know something that she because she's the expert she's obviously the expert she's the producer she should know you know she would know what sells and so she didn't believe in that sense yet that I would be able to uh, you know. Um, give her the material to you know, succeed uh, so because i was still very young uh, but then like i said later on and and with all the all the things that i i, I was uh, that i showed on stage i think she she understood she finally understood that you know that that it's um that i i had she, that i was good enough now to make my own decisions and to make my own to give her own ideas and concepts and stuff so yeah um but yeah, I mean, and and, and 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 like you said, I was very, very um, lucky, very happy that they always gave me to challenge me. They they did challenge me to give me uh, songs that were hard to sing, that were you know that were um, uh, you know, very very um, challenging. They I, I was very happy about that. This episode is brought to you by Songkai Distillery, my only go-to gin company. Established in 2018, Songkai Distillery is Vietnam's first gin distillery founded by Daniel Nguyen, a Vietnamese American from Southern California. No matter how many people I have at my parties, we are always pouring Somkai Gin. Somkai Gin is handcrafted in small batches and prioritizes using botanicals and ingredients that are native and heirloom to Vietnam. The result is a product uniquely Vietnamese in taste and aroma. Somkai is now growing to include rice wine and traditional Vietnamese herbal liqueurs similar to Amaro. Songkai prides itself in Vietnam, from the farmers who grow the fruits and herbs to the artists behind the artwork and design. Songkai is a community effort of people who are proud to be Vietnamese and collectively embody the spirit of Vietnam. Now, did you uh, at any time want to um, change the face of Paris by Night as you got more confident? Did you ever think that this is a musical genre or a label, entertainment label that needs uh, to have an infusion of sort of an American point of view or more European point of view to take it out of the Vietnamese culture? Or did you think that this was a perfect place that it was always going to be what it is going to be? I was very surprised to see that they, I mean, they're still surviving. I am surprised to see that they're still doing what, you know, because... I thought it was it would have been over a long time ago because of the internet and everything, you know. Because at the time we 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 recorded everything and everything was shot on and sold on DVDs. So this is something that obviously we can't do that anymore. But right. um, I, and and not only that, and then also the concept of Paris by Night it hasn't changed. 
So yeah, if you ask me, um, honestly, you have to say yeah. I mean, I would have loved, I would have loved to, you know, to jump on the, um, uh, the, you know, on the on board if she had, if she had ever asked me to um, join and be basically part of the creative team, you know, creative, uh, 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 creative team for the uh, for the show. I would have done um, quite a few things differently. Um, I mean, like change it up, not differently, but just change it up, right? Just to make it more, uh, be more, uh, more now, more, you know, mainstream. because the, uh, mainstream, yeah. Because I mean, there are so many talented kids, in, you know, I mean, in in the U.S. that are still struggling. You know, I would have loved to do something like, you know, and, and even my husband. My husband actually is um, he's he does marketing. He actually was the one also had ideas that he, you know, he wanted to almost like do like a, like a festival, music festival, but, you know, just um, instead of doing first, but I, let's do a festival or something like this. And then and just promote young uh, talents in the U.S., you know, instead of singing these old Vietnamese songs over yeah. and over again. But yeah. but that changed, but that changed completely because now we have all these, uh, we have another, um, another source of, I guess, music. That's the, all the artists from Vietnam. Because back in, back in the days at the time yeah, that we didn't, when I was doing my time, there, all these singers from Vietnam were not, uh, as popular as they are today. So later on, it just eventually, um, slowly, all these big artists from Vietnam um, became more more influential and they became bigger and bigger, you know. So now we are actually uh, dealing with that. So it, it's basically two different um, markets, you know, the Vietnamese, Vietnamese American and then the Vietnamese market. That's somehow a little bit, it's somehow slowly, you know, into job, but I think it's uh it's it's uh it's very still very very separated yeah very you know the style and the, and the, the, yeah it, it's different it's they're, they're different yeah I'm not bad in a way they're very good actually I mean I admire these singers from Vietnam I think they're amazing talents and the music is great I can't can't but but uh, obviously more people so they yeah. have they I, have I, to, to, to I feel listen. like the the singers from Vietnam actually have two advantages that they have going on now. Actually, three. Mm -hmm. The first advantage is a lot of them are trained singers. And and yes. I feel like Paris by Night didn't have the training, the, the real depth of the vocal training. Um, a lot of them did, but most of them didn't. A lot of them just came up uh, as in families uh, like yours and 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 became singers right and and i don't think there's anything wrong with that but the but the real root of the training the the stamina the power the technique i think when you analyze vietnamese singers a lot of them come from schools that train in conservator you know uh, all of these big institutions in vietnam i think the second thing that they have is they have the power of many songwriters now in vietnam whereas in the united states in paris by night in asia we didn't have the luxury of songwriters because of the way royalties are structured or the way the business is structured um on the vietnamese american side there was no uh real big sources of, of vietnamese songwriters and then i think the third thing that they have is a huge advantage is the amount of people that they have now they have over 100 million yeah, people in Vietnam, and that audience is now uh, middle class. There's a lot of middle class people that could afford, you know, right. concerts and all kinds of entertainments in Vietnam. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So you, the truth is, you can't really compare this because it's like we're talking about. I don't know how many million people Vietnamese people in the U.S. and and how many million people in Vietnam. So it can't really compare because it's it's too overwhelming over there. And it, it definitely they, they have more people, and that's that's the main thing. Um, and um, yeah, so and uh, um, what thing is what I, I what I find 
um, very interesting though. Is and I mean I'm 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 happy like, I'm happy that it's that it's booming like this yes. because it gives it gives us Asians you know uh, more and more uh, more present presence in the in the uh, um, international market right. because Asians obviously um, were never really represented until you now K-pop you know or, and um, and actually I, I I actually have a, a theory why theory why all these years the the Asians were not strong I know why what what is your theory okay so my theory is when you talk about Caucasian music, we talk about rock. When you talk about African American music, we talk with jazz. When we talk about uh, Latino music, we talk about salsa, cha-cha, whatever. Asian, what's Asian? There's nothing really that stands for Asian music. There's not. There's no, no, nothing that nothing. says that, that, that represents Asian music other than other than um yeah not now K-pop. But it's not even it's not even Korean. It's just pop that when they sing they sing Korean. That's all it is. So I think all these years there was just this one music that kind of genre that represents the Asian uh, culture, and that's why we were never strong enough to you know make it through internationally mainstream. We never did. That was that's my that's my theory. I'm not sure, it's, but theory because anything you think, anything you think of with an Asian face was not going to work, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the 80s, the 90s, the 70s, if you put like an Asian man on a rock face or on a rap yeah. face or salsa music, it's not going to work. Or country music, it's not going to exactly. work. I, I, as much as I loved Coco Lee, and I think she was she has she had an amazing right. she, amazing yeah. voice. Uh, she she sang she sang like she was um, like a Mariah Carey, but it didn't it didn't work. It, you can't. It you does. Can't it's not the same. You were. Yeah, you can't cross over as Coco, Coco Lee was a little bit too early for her time. She was an R&B singer at the time. You're right. right. You're absolutely right. right. She was very, very, very talented. Yeah, but not. But but that's not what people wanted to see or hear. They wanted. They rather listen to Mariah Carey rather than than Coco Lee, who is just who is Asian and it's obviously not her music. It's 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 yeah, it's R&B. It's, it's definitely African American. It's not it's not Asian. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the one thing that's missing. So yeah, so that's that was my theory for all these years, but I, I'm happy now with K-pop. I'm very happy that it's 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 uh, it's giving us some sort of presence, you know, in the in mainstream. So, but yeah, and it's it's obviously very strong because um, Vietnam in Vietnam is copying uh, Korea. Vietnam is not copying yeah. America. Yeah. Vietnam is copying is totally copying copying um, Korea. You know. And I used to be worried about Vietnam copying Korea. And then somebody told me, um, I think it was a sociologist or a history professor said to me, you don't need to worry about that because what happens is K-pop is the best of the best of what Britney Spears and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were doing. It's they Koreans took that music and really got really good at it. And you can't get the best of the best until you do somebody else's stuff and you you perfect it. So what Vietnam, the hope that I have is what Vietnam does is they take Korean K-pop and they mm -hmm. get really mm -hmm. good at doing what K-pop is doing. And then they do their own, yeah. their own yes. K-pop and it becomes their own. Yes. So you have to master one language first. Yeah. And once you master yeah. the other, that language, then you can do your language and make the world know about your language. And that's what Koreans okay. do. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. So can we get into, um, I want to know uh, your history um, about um, 
you know, your Parkinson's um, diagnosis, uh, when did it come about in your life? And when did you start noticing um, this to be uh, part of your life? I think it was in 2006. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure. Well, first of all, it uh, it's pretty much, okay, Parkinson's is not, it's not proven that Parkinson's is actually hereditary. Harry, 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 hereditary. It's not. Supposedly not. So, but it seems like it, that's in my family. It's the case though, because my mom had it. My mom just passed away in July. So my mom had it. My uncle has it. My brother has it. And I have number four. So that, you know, that I think pretty much says it all. And, and um, but um, I noticed the first symptoms in 2000 and I think 2000, I guess, 2006. And I noticed it because I saw the same symptoms with my mom. I saw how it happened to my mom. So whatever happened to my mom, pretty much happened to me as well. And then I, I, that's what, I guess the shock wasn't, it it was of big. course it was big, but it was, it was, it was just not like, it was, it wasn't that I crazy. Was, no, I was, yeah, I was, I was prepared for this. And the thing is, because I actually went to several neurologists because it's not, not, sometimes it's not really clear, you know, you, you just have to wait and see. So that's why I went to so many neurologists and, and a lot of them actually told me that it's not. And then, but then it's not that I wanted to, to, to believe what they wanted to believe. So I, I, and the final, the final last, the last doctor that I went to, she, she, she ran some tests and she goes, yes, it is, it is what it is. It's Parkinson's. So I go, and it, for me, it was like, see, I told you. It was more than that kind of reaction yeah. rather than, oh, my God. It's, just, it's like, you see, I told you. So we wasted all this time. If you, can, you guys had to diagnose me sooner, then maybe we can do something about it. But um, it was a couple of years that I had to you know, right. go from one doctor to another doctor just to get the diagnosis that I was expecting. And um, so, um, yeah, it's it was just minor things, you know. Um, you know, because when you, with Parkinson's, you, you, there's a tremor that, uh, when you sit still, that's usually when the tremor happens, like it's like a like this kind of motion. Um, and but I also had essential tremor that that had that inherited from my dad. My dad had 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 the uh, had the um, essential, essential tremor. It's just you just shake you know, when you try to open a bottle, for example, or when you try to eat soup. Or something that's when you you shake. But the tremor with Parkinson's is is when you sit still and you still your body still moving. So that's that's Parkinson's. So and I noticed that in my finger that one time. I was I was sitting in the office. I saw how my little pinky started to make this move. So that's how it usually starts. And then and then from there, I noticed that I was it was hard for me to pick things up. It was hard for me to hold things. Um. So and, and then I drop things all the time. Yeah. So that's the next thing for me right now. As of now, my my most the, I have the most difficulty with with my stiffness rather than my tremor. The tremor is there. I can deal with this, but it's a stiffness because it's, once once the stiffness kick in, I can't can't do anything. I can't nothing, and it's just very very annoying and, and it's 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 draining. It's it, and then at the end of the day, my body it aches. It's yeah, it's just it's it's, it's uh, but you know, like I said, it's I've been living it for so long now. I've been living it for, with it since two thousand and ten. I mean, so since two thousand nine, di official diagnosed. Um, that um, that I you know, used it, you know, and it, one thing that I was that I learned that was there was a very wise doctor who told me that, hun, hun, you can't have a happy life if you don't accept it, because once you accept it, you learn 
to live with it. You know, you learn to live, you find ways to live around it. Why, how, what do you need to do? Because once you've figured it all out, you can actually have a, have a happy life. And so that's what I try to do. I try to, um, it's, it is what it is. That's no, there's no reason to fight it anymore. There's no reason to, to question it anymore. There's no reason to, I mean, of course I am worried about the future. I, I don't know where, that, that my biggest fear is, I don't know where this is taking me. I don't know where, where what the end looks like. I don't know. But um, I feel like I can, until then, I can live my life mm, semi-normal because I I learned how to, to maneuver it and learn how to, uh, you know, just, you definitely don't take things for granted anymore. Just simple things like tying my hair or, or washing my hair or just do makeup. These things take time. So that's one thing I learned from all this time. It's like I, I, everything needs time. Take your time. Don't you if you need more time, just start earlier. You can't rush. You can't just you can you can't rush. I can't rush it because if I rush, it, nothing happens. It nothing gets done. So just take your time. Do what you know, and just one of the but yeah. Yeah, so that's but the, the only problem that I have is, is, uh, right now is the fact that um, I only I can only do things when I'm obviously when I'm flexible like this, and that's a short period of time. I take my medication six times a day. This is my baby. so this is what I lots of camp, but six times a day, and every time it lasts for about half an hour or maybe an hour max. It's supposed to, this medication is supposed to get me through the day, through the entire day, but it stopped because it's, it's been so long now. So everything is like about half an hour now, half an hour, half an hour. And that half an hour, I have to do everything. I have to, I'm, I'm running my errands, I, I clean up the house, I answer my mail, I, all kinds of stuff. I need to, I have to, all this, I have to do this all in that period of time. Um, so it almost feels like I'm a race, I'm racing against time every day. Yeah, and it's and, and it's partly partially why I talk so fast these days. That's partly the reason why I'm doing things fast because I feel like I'm running out of time. Because if I don't finish it, and then then then, then it's like the engine dies on you, and then that I can I can do anything. Yeah, you know, so you you know that's, 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 you you are the fourth. You have four people. You are the fourth person in your family. Uh, but were you the last person to get it, or were you one of like the second person people to get it? I'm the the what? I'm, I'm a number two. Number two. I'm number two. And my and, mom was first, and then everybody. And then you, and then your uncle, and your then your brother. Yes. And and how's your uncle and your brother dealing with it today? My uncle is not doing well at all. My uncle actually had a surgery. Yeah, they actually did open his um his his skull and they put the um is the uh, the uh, the chip in the into the brain um because um what happens is you know when um. When you have Parkinson's, the, um, there's a, a, a certain cells that help you move. They don't. The brain doesn't produce those cells anymore for some reason. Until until this very day, they haven't found out why it's happening. But there are certain cells that you need, obviously, you know, to move. So that's why Parkinson's is a movement disorder. Uh, so for some reason, the, the brain stops producing these cells. So um, uh, the medication that I'm taking is basically, is basically a substitute. Substitute for for the cells and then yeah so um so my, my uncle actually had a surgery i was i was asked if i wanted to do it but i'm not there yet <laughs> i don't think I, i'm I, it's the thought of it that i i don't i'm not ready for this yet but my uncle had it done and it didn't help at all and no changes whatsoever he's still doing badly 
he's very he's very weak he's very shaky and, and stiff my brother is okay stable i suppose uh, he's uh he's about like 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 me yeah but um yeah so it's like it's there are good days and bad days but as long as you have the medication on your medication you're actually fine yeah so so it's it's something it's a disease that you can definitely live with you know you just need to learn how to uh, you know um you have to be prepared you know and and um it's that is a progress though i mean i i feel the pro progress of this disease every day i see how my my my, my i'm getting slower i'm getting stiffer and i can't when i once some once in a while i can't i can't get up my husband has to help me getting up and then i walk like an 80 year old woman when the medication is off so and that's that's just people staring of course that's a lot a lot of staring <laughs> uh but it is what it is so like i said the doctor my doctor said just accept it yeah, yeah. Uh, at some point, uh, you were into this for a few years and I'm curious, uh, you know, when, when I heard about it, um, years ago, I, I thought to myself, I, I remember, you know, obviously you're, you're still very beautiful, hun. Um, and I remember the, the, just the pure power of the, the star power that emanates from you. And I thought to myself, uh, this was a few years where I, I had this thought, I thought, I wonder how this condition has changed the way you look at uh, your work, the people who work with you because of uh, there's a lot of famous people, um, how your views of, of fame and, and um, sort of star power, how does that change when you are living with this condition for a few years? Oh gosh. You know, it's been so long now that I don't even remember how life was before, you know, honestly, um, oh goodness, uh, you know, I, first of all, I try to be as strong as possible. I mean, strong as, as much as possible is try to being, you know, trying to keep it together, easy and keep it together yeah, as much as I can, but it's not easy. The truth is it's not easy. And, and, but, um, but I don't feel in any way sorry for myself. I do not feel sorry for myself. Mm. I just wish, you know, that people. I, I, I mean, the thing is, at the same time, I don't like. I don't like showing it, uh, showing it off. You know, like social media. I hate. I, I don't. Some people. Some of my friends tell me that it's okay huh, to show those bad days. You know, because you can always cannot always post good things, uh, good days, because you don't have that. You know, that's not your life. Your life is mostly not good so um it, it's okay to share this with them but as I, i'm thinking why would anybody want to see this you know and at the same time but um i guess it, it could encourage people to you know move uh, just to keep on going keep on moving like me like myself i i i think i like i said i've, I've said it before I, I don't take things for granted at all and now these days I'm grateful for everything. I'm li little tiny successes every day, like like I said, cooking. If I finish, if I can cook a meal, that's my success of the day. So I think what my life has changed in terms of I'm just grateful. I'm just incredibly grateful for for everything, for anything, for anything and everything, because it's not you know that mm -hmm. it's it's not. It's that I am. I'm grateful that I met my husband. I'm grateful that I have a man who takes care of me like this. It's, I'm grateful for my friends and my family who go through this with me. And 
I'm just really grateful. I think that's that's what it, so yeah, I'm we are but but I understand that we all have our problems, Ken. We all nobody has bigger I think somebody has financial problems. That's like a major burden. Yes. Then then the other person is cancer. It's a major burden. Yeah. And then some there's a person somebody uh, weight problems, you know. We all have problems. So I don't see myself in any way different from these people, from all the people with formation of everybody, because um, it's it's just another problem. It's just a problem, like a, like a, and you just learn deal with it, learn how to deal with it, and move on. You know, so that's that's what it is. But I think it's uh, sometimes I feel like it's affecting other people more than myself. I think the people, the way people look at me, and people see me, people feel sorry for me. I I can feel it. You feel how 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 you know like. You know, but what what bothers me is if they want, they're waiting to see it. They're waiting to see me in a weak moment. They, I can, I was at this meeting, and then I, I wasn't able to get up. You know, and so somebody was having me up, and at the point, I saw somebody pulling out the phones and just filming me, because they just want to capture uh, capture that and just to show off the friends. I don't know. I, I I can see how people are waiting to see something, to see how sick she is. You know, and that's just stupid. But um. I think all in all, my life hasn't changed. <laughs> my life has definitely changed, but I have. I don't think I've changed much in terms of um, how I see life. You know, I see. I'm. I was grateful before. I'm grateful now. More, maybe more grateful than I was before. I, I'm definitely more. Um, it's a, a um, adjustments. In my life. I have to adjust my life in many ways. Uh, you know, I. You know, I keep on thinking of Shark Tank for some reason. I keep on thinking and thinking of it. I want to come up with things that make my life easier because yeah. that would help a lot of other people too. Things, things, something like this. I, so I, it's, yeah, I, yeah, like adjustments. Like I have to, when I go, when I buy something, I have to pay, I pull out my, my wallet before, before I get to the cashier because it takes forever to get the wallet out. Um, when I go to the restroom, I have to go like, like right away don't wait because it yeah. takes time to you know yeah so everything takes time so yeah but you, um you know hun uh just the exercise of you talking to me about all of these things and just for me to hear how strong you are to continue and 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 carry on with life and and not stop and not give up and continue to to talk about if you can cook a meal a day that's a success you know that's so inspiring to me because you know i you're, you're absolutely right i i i go through very very hard days and i think you know but my hard days can't be anything compared to your hard days and your hard days might not be compared to somebody who's dealing with a dying you know uh, uh kid their child is dying so i think this is all relative but to hear you talk yeah. about this stuff is it, it's it's at at once very inspiring for me to to hear and to kind of lock in the words what you're saying and bring it to heart because um you know seeing you in this uh this way of of, of living is is a very inspiring way for me to to kind of hear the testament that you go you know you're so grateful for everything that's in your life today absolutely it's um I, and i i have no reason to be ungrateful because it's a uh, you know um Actually, if, uh, I'm talking about my work. Let's just say, uh, let's for example, my work, my work, my work today. 
I'm working together with my husband as a stylist and creative director of photography. So we have clients who come to us who are who've never been photographed before, who are incredibly shy and insecure, you know. So um, back in the days when I was I sing when I was singing and I was performing on stage, I saw people dancing in front of me, and I, my job was to make them was to make you know uh, make them uh, make them get into the mood, party, drink, and all this stuff, and just have a good time. Now I'm working one on one with the client, and I'm working with people who are incredibly insecure, don't know what they're doing awkward in front of the camera but want to look good so that's my job my job is to make them feel and look good and you know it's amazing to see Ken and I'm telling you it's it's a, it's a transformation like hundreds like yeah. at first really, at first and really shy and then very insecure and then after five minutes ten minutes when we my husband and I work and, and we always encourage them and we, we cheer them it's completely different it's a completely different person it, it's the person who is confident um, joyful, happy, and so that makes me feel like okay. Now, for, after all these years that I'm performing and dancing and singing, that I I already felt like I was bringing joy in people's lives, and and I, I I make you know I make a difference, I guess, for that night. At least I feel like I'm doing I'm making a difference again. But this time it's actually more it's it goes deeper. It goes into it's it's even though it's just physically, but it goes into the, the psychological part where they. Uh, are more, you know, believe in themselves more and they see that they can do it. You know, they thought they couldn't, do it, but now they understand that, hey, it, it doesn't take much to look good. Yeah. It takes, it takes um, time. It takes, uh, of course, some, some help, but anybody can look good. Not only, it's not that celebrities are born good looking. The celebrities are, are have made. the money to afford, you know, yeah. to, uh, can afford the, 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 the team to make them look good. So it's the same thing here. And we, 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 as a team, here and as a team, we're going to make you look good, and we're going to boost your confidence. And it's just that's that's my rewarding part, where I feel like you know maybe you know this happened for a reason that I don't sing anymore because now I appreciate you know the interaction, I appreciate you know my work as a um, as um, some sort of like a uh, like a therapist, you know, to make them to make them feel better about themselves. So that's that's yeah, that's how I see it. You, uh, I imagine the the long way the 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 life that you have is, is you have a long runway left um, to do all the things that you want to do. Are there other things that are left that uh, that you really want to accomplish in you know in your life? Okay, two things. <laughs> One thing that my husband keeps on encouraging me over and over again is to write a book, <laughs> and he goes he he said that. He said, just you, you write it and we're going to send it to Netflix and it's going to be like a three season <laughs> uh, show because first season is going to be your life is, is on, uh, in Austria. Second season is the you and Paris night. Third season, you and Parkinson. So three seasons. So that, so that, uh, uh, he, he spent time with me to write my autobiography. That's for sure. And then number two, which is something that I really, really, re you know, um, re regret that I didn't try. It, it, and I don't think it's it's never gonna happen. It's too late now. It's uh, to get into acting. I would I would have loved to get into acting, yeah. uh, but it's yeah, it's out of question now. Right now, it's not. It's not obviously it's not possible. I mean, I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't think I can get through this. I especially what kind of role should I be playing like this, <laughs> other than a sick person? But yeah, so those are the things. The those two things the that I wish I would have done. Yeah. yeah, and and I think with the writing, uh, it's you know it can be done. There's still, but but then it, but then you have to ask yourself, why don't you want to write? Why why haven't you done it? You know. Yeah, it's it's been 
you know what the thing is it's it's um it's 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 a it's a it's a practical it's a practical thing because i obviously can't type you know typing is very difficult for me because my hands are all over the phone and the ipad it's just the, that's hard <laughs> i I apologize. I always have to tell people uh, I apologize in advance. If if you ever see on Facebook that somebody reported your photo, it's not because I reported the photo. <laughs> it's because my finger did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm you know I have to be really careful with what I do. I mean, my finger like don't 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 like don't like don't like like this. <laughs> no, and then it does. It's like I was like no. Why am I like you? You don't. It's embarrassing. And then. And then Certain profiles you're not supposed to check. Then, no, like <laughs> damn finger. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think yeah, I could see how that could be a, a very difficult thing to to carry out the writing. You know, unless it's you... the writing. Yeah. And then when I speak, speak when I dictate, speak. Siri doesn't understand my English. Siri doesn't. It's, it's I guess I have a German accent, so everything I say just comes out like totally wrong. Like, I mean, it's horrible. So <laughs> it's a practical problem. So I need somebody who can, yeah. You know, I have a somebody, random, yeah. I have such a random question um, that I kept thinking about. Um, you know, I, I recently read the uh, the autobiography of uh, Schwarzenegger, and uh, I mm -hmm. understand that he's he's Austrian. And did you ever yeah. sort of like study his life or anything? Or were there parallels of his life and your life when you were growing up? No, I never, I never studied. I mean, I know of him and everything, but I have not studied his life. I have no idea what he, what he, what he did. And yeah. then he went to, then he went to America, and then yeah. Yeah, his dream was to get out of Austria. And when I listen to your okay. story, yeah, when I listen to your story, I, I, I go, wow. I wonder, were there any um, lessons or parallels that you drew from from Schwarzenegger's life? Because he left when you were, uh, we were all very, very, very young. If not, yeah. he left before we were even born um, or came to Austria yeah. or the United States. But when you read his autobiography, you realize mm -hmm. the dreams that he had coming out from uh, an Austrian society. And Austrian society seems to be so uh, dedicated to discipline and just very sort of like straight and narrow and not like the American way, right? It's, it's funny that you ask. So you know, the truth is, when I was in Austria, I would, I want just like trusting, I want to get out of Austria. But now that I'm out of Austria, I kind of, I love going back again. I love, I don't think I can ever live there again, but um, it's it's something that I truly miss because, you know, it was such, it's such a beautiful country and it's the architecture and the history, everything is so lovely. But I, uh, yeah, the mentality, from the mentality, I don't think I can live in Austria anymore. And that, that so that was for me, that was a big thing. I, I I can relate to that. I can relate to the fact that uh, I wanted to get out of Austria because there were obviously more opportunities for me in 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 in, in the U.S. And I remember, I remember one time uh, when I was back in Austria and I, in a, in a group conversation, uh, I, so we met some people, with my friends, and then the, I guess somebody's parents. And then in the, in the in the conversation, I mentioned that I was a singer, and the reaction was just like there was no reaction. Just like, wow, like. Yeah, it's like you are like like nobody. You're nothing because you are you're you're not like you're not um you're not uh, you know you're not um um see you you know you have no academic kind of like you you have, you know you have no title you know so that was that that's why I felt you know when when the U S when you say you're a singer you're like what you are I mean, yeah, so yeah, people you know it's 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 a job it's just a job like any other jobs but 
in Austria, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a job. It's just something that you like to do, and it's it's a not a serious job for sure. Yeah. So they look at you. They look at you differently. Yeah. Wow. Well, hun, thank you so much. Um, today, you know, uh, it was so lovely to spend time with you and um, to hear the journey that you took. You know, I I I didn't know much about uh, your life. Um, even when we met, I just knew you were this, uh, and I, I it was, I was trying to remember how we met, but I couldn't remember who introduced yeah, I just, I tried to remember today. I don't remember how we met. I don't remember anymore, but yeah. I think it was, well, it must've been, it must've been through Kwa, I guess. No, Kwa met, because through, Kwa met you through me. I, uh, through, uh, you know, Lam, right? Yes, I do know those yeah. Uh, yes. Dribbling was dating Unsern at the time. Unsern, and then, then I guess Unsern was friends with Ankhim and all these guys. So I, I don't remember. I don't know if you know them. Dribbling well, uh, and Chuklang are very close to my cousin. They grew up with my first cousins, but I don't think that we yeah. met that way. Um, I see Chuklang and Chuklang all the time, but that I don't remember. I don't recall us meeting that way. Um, I think we met through another promoter who was probably a student at USC as well at the time. That's who I can remember um, when I think right. back about the, those yeah. times. But I mean, for you to even have the, 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 the confidence in me to say, you know, I'm going to go up there and do it with, you know, I'm going to sing a song with you. And it's like, it was a very difficult song as I remember. And uh, I, I wish we had the video and, and, and had it uh, and still kept the video. Yeah. So today would be on all over social media for sure. If it was today, if it had happened today, but yeah. no. But I, I have to say, you are an amazing singer. You are an amazing singer. I love it. I love the way you and you play. I didn't know you played the piano. That, that's new. That's something I never knew. All of a sudden, just, hallelujah! I'm like, oh, okay, hallelujah! Jesus Christ! <laughs> this coming? Where is this coming from? Wow! I'm impressed. Good job. It was a wonderful <laughs> evening. It was a, such a wonderful evening playing and singing with you and 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 T. It was it was awesome, awesome memories. Um, I hope yeah. that the next time you and T come out to um, California, that we can all get together again and and you know do what we did. That was a, a really yes. fun night. Yeah, come to Houston sometimes. You should come yes. to Houston. It's it's yeah. very, it's very nice. It's very nice. Yeah, actually, I mean, it's it's booming. It's growing. It's all over the place. So actually, it's it's a good place to be here right now. Yeah. And, uh, I, and, and I actually I read I read an article on uh, I think LA Times uh, uh, that um that um lots of Californians are actually emigrating to oh, to um, moving to Florida I mean to Texas so so I read about that have, so yeah I have left um yeah next time I'm out in Houston I will definitely ring you and let you and T know and uh, we'll do something go get something to eat all right oh I cook something I can make. <laughs> Thank you, hun. And I could cook too. I would love to cook for you as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ken. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. Special thanks to Brittany Tran, to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast.